A warning, this episode features violent content, depictions of slavery, disturbing imagery, and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Additionally, we've taken some creative liberties to develop the story in ways that aren't present in the original text. We hope you enjoy our adaptation of this classic tale. Moonlight shone over Goshen, where Hebrew slaves lived in the land of Egypt. The Hebrews always slept soundly, their bodies exhausted from each day's labor and the crack of whips at their backs. Even the elderly were not spared from the work. Many of the old men had spent their entire lives in bondage. Aaron was 83 years old, and he had resigned himself to dying in chains. But as he slept that night, something changed in the air. Aaron, awaken! Who, Who are you? I am the god of your father, the god of Abraham, the god of Isaac, and the god of Jacob. I call upon you to serve your brother as he serves me. My... Brother? Moses! Moses? He's still alive? Your brother lives, and I will use him to free my people. He will use you as his voice, as I use him as mine. Free? The Hebrews? (laughs) I thought this day would never come, but now the Lord is asking me to help! Yes, Lord! Tell me where to go, and I'll go! Go to the mountain in the desert. You'll find Moses there. As you wish! (laughs) Just as you command! Aaron leapt from his bed, age and exhaustion all but forgotten. Filled with youthful vigor, he looked out past Goshen and to the desert. He would do as the Lord commanded. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today is the second of our three-part series on the Book of Exodus. Last week, we dramatized the birth of Moses and his long journey to find his calling as a prophet. This week, the story deals with his struggles to believe the voice of God as everyone around him doubts the message he was sent to give. It becomes gradually more difficult to follow God's commands, even as his wonders grow more impressive in scale. Yet despite these difficulties, Moses never fails to obey. In contrast, Pharaoh refuses God's command every step of the way. The two men serve as foils for each other, demonstrating one of the central morals of the story. Those who follow this God will be freed from his wrath. Those who reject him will face his judgment and all the consequences it brings. 
Coming up, Moses returns to Egypt. The mountain of God cast a long shadow across the desert plain. Moses trudged towards it, dreading the task before him. He could see a fire burning at the foot of the mountain, smoke rising into the evening sky. As he drew closer, the camp took clearer form. A single tent stood by the fire with an old man sitting beside it. The old man turned his head toward Moses and grinned, his teeth well intact despite his age. Moses, is that really you? My brother, it's been so long. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> God told me to come and find you. <laughs> We're going to free our people. Can you believe it? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I can hardly believe you're here, to be honest. <laughs> when God speaks, I listen. And when you speak, all of Egypt listens. I have not forgotten. Do you really wish to dredge up the past like this? It has been 40 years! I'm well aware. I spent those 40 years in exile. Because you killed a man. Because I saved your life. That slave driver would have beaten you to death if I had not stepped in. But as soon as I was gone, oh, you couldn't wait to tell everyone who was responsible. You gave them my name. It was an impossible situation. If I didn't tell them, they would have thought I had done it. And what about before that? I came to you once looking for a family. You turned me away. And now you call me brother. I was young and angry and jealous. Please understand, all my life I was treated like cattle. But I knew you were out there living like a prince. I... <sighs> hated you for it. There were times I wished that you died in that river where our mother left you. Instead, you walked up to my door and reminded me of everything I didn't have. I was still your brother. What was it you said to me then? Life is full of disappointments. <laughs> Our god has a sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> I suppose he does. But that is all in the past. I... I no longer harbor any ill will towards you. Moses, my brother. With the last of his words, Aaron pulled Moses towards him and kissed him on the forehead, a sign of trust and compassion. Moses wished he could be so forgiving. Perhaps if he never found Zipporah, he would have jumped at the chance to treat Aaron as a brother. But now he had a family, and he wasn't sure if Aaron could be trusted. And he couldn't bring himself to call Aaron brother. He returned to his own camp that night to talk it over with his wife. Your brother kissed you? Oh, it sounds like he truly means what he says that he wishes to start fresh as family. I think he says what he needs to say. He's not here to see me. He's here for his own personal glory. Or he's here to help his people. Isn't that what this is all about? 
just don't trust him. You don't have to trust him. Trust the Lord. <sighs> the Lord doesn't know what he asks of me. Moses! I'll hear no more of this nonsense. If you insist on saying such foolish things, say them in your slumber. <sighs> Fine. Some rest would do me good anyway. Moses laid down to sleep that night. Doubt hung heavy on his heart. Yet when he fell asleep, he saw the burning bush before him. The deep voice of God shook his dream like an earthquake. When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. The ground split before Moses, and in the chasm he heard the voices of a thousand, thousand Hebrews crying out in pain. Their chains rattled as they labored, their skin chafing beneath their iron shackles. Moses turned to see Aaron standing beside him, his hand outstretched. He offered up the staff of God. Moses reached out and grabbed the staff. As his hand wrapped around the wood, a great cacophony filled his ears. Around him, one thousand thousand chains shook. Then, with a resounding crash, one thousand thousand iron shackles burst open and fell to the ground. The world shook with cheers of joy. Then he awoke. He saw Zipporah lying beside him. The bright rays of the morning sun danced in her silver hair. As he stirred, she stirred too. <sighs> Has a night's rest cleared your troubled mind? I fear might have done the opposite. What do you mean? I don't know if I have the strength to do what needs to be done. So many people will have to suffer. People are suffering now. Your people. And you have the tools to save them. Moses rose from his bed. He gathered his family and they packed up their camp. They marched to Aaron's and greeted one another, their families mingling for the first time. It was clear that their sons and daughters were excited to meet cousins they didn't know they had. Moses watched Zipporah smiling as she met Aaron and his wife, but he could not share her joy. His focus was on his grim mission. Zipporah, please fetch the donkey. I need to speak with Aaron. I've only just met your wife, and already you're showing her away? You'll have plenty of time to talk on our way back to Goshen. For now, we have to discuss the task before us. The Lord said you needed me to speak for you. If I'm being honest, that struck me as a bit strange. The Moses I remember was all too eager to speak. The Moses you remember has been humbled. My, my tongue falters in my old age, especially in front of a crowd of strangers. If I'm doing all the talking, what will you do? I will perform the signs God has given. 
And I will tell you what to say. Ah, perhaps the Lord wishes both of us to be humbled. But if this is what he commands, I will follow. What would you have me say? That the Lord has come to free his people. Moses relayed to Aaron everything the Lord had said, and he showed him the miraculous signs the Lord had taught him to perform. As they spoke, Aaron's enthusiasm proved infectious. Moses could feel the blood course through his veins, the dreams of his youth revived by the Lord's direction. The brothers set off towards Goshen, their families close behind. In Moses' many years, he never thought that he would return to Egypt. Now he traveled with his family at his back and Aaron at his side. Years had made the memory of Goshen fade in the mind of Moses. When they finally arrived, he was reminded of the squalor he had left behind. Sallow, hungry faces watched him from every house, and when Aaron gathered all the elders together, he could not help but feel a thrill. My fellow Hebrews, I come bearing wonderful news! <laughs> My brother Moses has spoken with God, and I relay his words to you now. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up into a land flowing with milk and honey. I will set my people free. Moses performed the miraculous signs, and as he looked out upon the crowd, he could see their eyes fill with hope. They believed their God had come, and they bowed down to worship him. With the full weight of his people's eyes upon him, Moses grew a little more afraid. Their hope was intoxicating, but none of them knew what their freedom would cost. Soon Moses would have to face Pharaoh, and if that meeting went poorly, not a soul in Egypt was prepared for what would follow. Coming up, Moses makes a desperate plea. Hi, I'm Christine Schieffer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast and that's what we drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about, not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. <laughs> Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism and more and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. <laughs> Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Moses stood before Pharaoh's throne room with his brother Aaron beside him. He gripped his staff a bit harder in an attempt to stop his hands from trembling. Are you well? You look ill. It is nothing. I... I grew up here. And I only have bad memories to show for it. 
If you do not feel up to the task, we can do this another day. No. No. The longer we wait, the worse it will be. So long as you speak, I will do my part. Aaron placed his hand on Moses' shoulder. Moses felt a small sense of relief at the touch. When he was a child in the Pharaoh's court, he was isolated, a Hebrew raised among Egyptians. But today, he was alone no longer. The doors to the throne room opened and Moses and Aaron walked in. The room was packed with people of the court, regal women, lavishly dressed musicians, and stately advisors. A young boy, barely 12 years old, sat in a chair beside the throne. His innocent eyes looked to the Hebrews with interest. Then he turned to look up at his father. Pharaoh sat on the throne at the center of the dais, a bored expression on his face. He was not the same Pharaoh that Moses had known as a boy, but Moses could see echoes of that man, the man he'd called grandfather, in the sharp features of this new ruler. As a kid, Moses had always thought Pharaoh looked like a bird of prey. Moses and Aaron, is it? Why are you Hebrews always such a bother? We bother only because we must, Your Excellency. I'll be the judge of that. Now make your request and make it quickly. We've come bearing a message from the Lord, the God of Israel. He says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Cut the Lord, you say. I'm the only God who can claim lordship here. There is no God like the God of Abraham, and he's prepared miracles to prove his dominion over you. Behold the signs of Moses! Moses closed his eyes and swallowed hard. He could feel the sweat beating on his forehead, and for a second he doubted his ability to perform the signs. He said a silent prayer, then tossed his staff to the ground. As it hit the stone floor, the wood softened and warped. Then the staff was no more, and a coiling serpent sat in its place. To Moses' surprise, the pharaoh's court seemed unimpressed, showing only slight frowns and upturned eyebrows at the side. He shook aside the thought and raised his hand before him. In an instant, red lesions and leprosy spots sprouted on his skin. This elicited a stronger reaction. The young prince's jaw fell open, and a few eyes widened in the crowd. Then, when Moses cured his hand, their eyes went wider still. He had them now. Next, Aaron asked for a bucket of water. An attendant brought one forward and placed it on the ground before them. Moses pointed at the water and saw it turn dark red with blood. He suppressed a grin as gasps of astonishment rose from the court. All around, the watching nobles were murmuring to one another excitedly. But Moses only cared about one man's reaction. He stole a glance at Pharaoh. The king was glaring at Moses, his nostrils flaring. He was not impressed. You call these pathetic acts miracles? My court magicians have the same powers. You there, 
Magician, demonstrate. As you wish, your majesty. A nearby magician threw a staff onto the ground, and to Moses' surprise, it too turned into a snake. You'll have no festival, and you'll get back to work immediately. I'm afraid we cannot obey. Our orders come directly from heaven, and we must follow them. Otherwise, he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. Oh, please. Your god barely holds the power of a court magician. There will be no plagues. You think our god is weak? As Aaron spoke, Moses' snake lunged, shooting across the floor with surprising speed. Startled shrieks and gasps rose from the crowd as the serpent sunk its fangs into the scales of the Egyptian snake. Moses' snake wrapped itself around its opponent's body in an instant. Then it unhinged its jaw and swallowed the magician's snake whole. Moses calmly approached the creature and grabbed it by the tail. When he lifted it off the floor, it was a wooden staff again. The court stared at Moses in stunned silence. The magician shook where they stood. The prince clapped with excitement, but while the rest of the room was in awe, Pharaoh's face turned red and his face pinched with anger. All this nonsense about your god is just an excuse to get out of work. And thanks for your efforts. I'll issue a new decree. Not only will there be no festival, but each Hebrew must produce twice as many bricks as before. This will not end well, your majesty. Get back to work. If your people spend more time making bricks, perhaps they'll have less time to listen to your lies. That night, Moses paced back and forth in his tent, waiting for word from the Israelite leaders. He could not bring himself to stand before them, so Aaron had gone in his stead. Finally, Moses heard footsteps outside, and the tent flap opened. Aaron stepped inside, his face downcast. What did the elders say? They cursed us both. Curse? How bad of a curse? They said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to the Pharaoh and have put a sword in his hand to kill us. But, but we only did as God instructed. Don't, don't they understand? Tell them it's not our fault. Moses, speaking to them will change nothing. You need to speak with him. Him? Oh, you mean... Our God seems to answer when you call him. So please, ask him why this has happened. Ask him what he wants us to do. Moses raced into the desert and found a secluded spot. There he knelt and prayed. It was not a reverent prayer. What is wrong with you, Lord? Did you send me here just to get your people killed? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's only made things ten times worse. 
You haven't delivered your people. You've only brought more suffering on them. For a moment, Moses heard nothing but the desert crickets. Then his vision filled with a blinding light, and the earth around him shook. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But I did not make myself known to them by my name, I Am, as I have to you. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Moses shook with tears, humbled by the awesome power before him. The people are scared and angry. What would you have me say to them? Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord! Very well. I will tell them. Moses went directly to the Hebrew elders and relayed what he'd heard. They did not believe him. They booed and cursed Moses' name. Some even threw rocks to get him to leave. He returned to his camp, his clothes caked with dirt and face covered in tears. Aaron and Zipporah saw his troubled state and rushed to speak with him. Moses, what's happened to you? It's all a joke, Zipporah. The Israelites don't believe me, and we've only made things worse. Surely you don't mean that. God wouldn't send us here just to die, would he? I, I don't know anymore. Quiet your doubts, brother. I heard his voice too, and he brought us together in the desert. He also gave you the power of miracles. Miracles! And still you doubt him? You saw Pharaoh's magicians perform the same signs. I saw them fake it. Much as our snake devoured theirs, our God will win in the end. But the Israelites don't believe us. Why should Pharaoh? Moses, do you think we do this by our power alone? We are emissaries of El Shaddai. If we do as he commands, he will do as he has promised. I am sure of it. I certainly hope you're right, Aaron. If you're not, both our people and the Egyptians will want us dead. <laughs> In case you've forgotten, brother, we're both old men. We're pretty much dead already. Moses went to his bed, worries spinning through his mind. But as he laid down to rest, his exhaustion overcame him. In his dream, he saw the Nile moving faster than he'd ever seen before, its waters crashing up and down. 
Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water. Tell him to let my people go. As Moses looked, the waves turned a deep, dark, crimson red. He awoke and summoned Aaron, certain of what they must do. The two old men hurried to the Nile as quickly as they could. Instinct guided Moses back to the days of his youth, where he spent many hours by the riverside, away from the Egyptian children. Back then, he'd spent countless hours sitting beneath the shade of the bushes, watching his siblings and cousins play, wishing he could be part of the fun. Now he sat behind those very same bushes, Aaron at his side. Are we lying in wait for him? He wouldn't let us near him otherwise. Fair point. (laughs) Let's hope my knees hold out that long. As the sun rose, Pharaoh and his entourage descended from the palace. Hebrew slaves carried him atop a palanquin, his gaze clearly groggy from the early hour. When he reached the riverbed, Moses and Aaron leapt out from the bushes as quickly as their limbs would allow. You two! You've returned to annoying me during my morning leisure time? Or did you lazy Hebrews spend all night lounging by the river instead of working as I commanded? A god has a new message for you, Pharaoh. Aaron, tell him. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent us to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you have not listened. I have prepared a sign, and by this you will know that I am the Lord. Before the Pharaoh could respond, Moses rose his staff and struck it against the surface of the Nile. Waves echoed out from the staff, starting small, then building to an immense height. The water thickened, its splashes turning to vicious sloshes. With each wave, the water grew darker and redder, until the whole river was a deep crimson. The Nile had turned to blood. Next, God's judgment brings Egypt to its knees. Now, back to the story. Pharaoh stared at the crimson Nile. Countless dead fish already floated to the surface, rotting under the desert sun. All of Egypt was filled with their stench and the pungent iron of blood. The people recoiled from the riverbanks, retching at the smell. Pharaoh finally turned from the site towards the two Hebrew men he held responsible, Moses and his brother Aaron. Pharaoh, at the sight of this great sign, will you let the Lord's people go? Pathetic. My magicians can perform the same trick. Magician, bring out the cups. Sire, I'm... I'm afraid all of our buckets and jars... They're filled with blood as well. Then dig a well. If I might remind the Pharaoh, we saw their power yesterday. The real question is whether they can turn the Nile back into water. 
Do you think they're up to the task? Let our people go, and the Lord will remove this plague from your land. <laughs> your Lord should tell you to be less lazy. Get back to work. With that, Pharaoh signaled to his servants to carry him back to the palace. Moses and Aaron returned to Goshen. I can't believe that man is so stubborn. His control over the Nile not proof enough that our God is real. The Lord said his heart would be hard. Not half as hard as his head. Egypt depends on that water to survive. Speaking of which, now that the Nile's blood, what will our people drink? As Pharaoh said, we can drink from wells. The water there is untouched. The Lord does not want to kill Egypt, but merely get them to recognize his power. If they don't recognize it now, when will they? Aaron, it's only going to get worse from here. But by the end of it, we'll be free? Let's pray that we will. Moses laid down to rest that night, but most of Egypt could not sleep. The land echoed with the sounds of shovels as Egyptians and Hebrews alike dug new wells to draw fresh water. Boats were slowed by the thickening of the river. Trade suffered in its wake. The lifeblood of Egypt was flowing with the blood of my vengeance, a warning of worse to come if the Pharaoh did not set my people free. Days passed in Egypt, the country filled with the stench of blood and death. The Egyptians prayed to their gods, but their gods failed to answer. Only my vengeance remained. After a week of silence from Pharaoh, I spoke to Moses again. In his dreams, Moses saw a shadow rising from the water, wide-set eyes crested through the wave. As Moses looked into their deep black pupils, he knew it was time to speak to Pharaoh. He gathered Aaron and the duo returned to the palace. When the Pharaoh heard of their approach, he granted them an audience by the river of blood, his young son following at his side. Have you old men come to gloat? Your people have been just as affected by your trick as mine. It was no trick. It was a plague from the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse, he will send a second plague. If I refuse, your God means nothing to me. The Hebrews will stay where they are, and I'll triple their workload as thanks for your efforts. Very well then. You leave us no choice. Moses stretched out his arm and waved it over the waters of Egypt. The bloodied water swelled, and then one small creature plopped out onto dry land. It hopped forward with long legs and flippered feet, then stared at the pharaoh with its beady black eyes. The pharaoh raised an eyebrow. A frog! 
<laughs> You've summoned a frog. Magician, do the same. Yes, Lord, right away. The magician rushed forward, reached down to the ground, and picked up a second frog. It seemed as if the frog had appeared from thin air. It is as you commanded. I have summoned a frog. Do you see this, you senile old Hebrews? Your god is a charlatan, as easily dismissed as this frog is crushed beneath my heel. The pharaoh stomped on the small creature. His son recoiled in shock, but the pharaoh grinned at Moses and Aaron. Moses simply waved his hand once more. This time, hundreds of thousands of frogs sprung forth from the water, their webbed feet carrying them outward like an invading army. Their ribbits shook the country, and they invaded Pharaoh's palace with speed and precision. They climbed into every room, every bed, every oven, and every kneading trough in the land. Yet Pharaoh's anger only rose. Is this a joke? Your god will get no reaction from me. His petty acts are meaningless in the face of my greatness. Now be gone from my palace and tell your people they will increase their quotas or suffer at my hands. As you wish. The land echoed with the croaks of frogs and bullfrogs. The seemingly harmless creatures were overwhelming in their abundance. The people of Egypt could not sleep, their meals were tainted, and any bucket of water left unexposed found itself filled with frogs. Even my people, the Hebrews, grew angry with Moses and Aaron, but it was not their anger to bear. I had sent the frogs, and only I could send them away. I waited until the proper time, when Moses, heard an Egyptian knocking at his door. Moses, the Pharaoh requests your presence, as well as your brothers. Really? He does not wish us dead, does he? No, no, it's nothing like that. You'll see when you get there. Very well. I'll get Aaron. Moses summoned his brother, and the two stepped out into the night. As they walked, they whispered to each other. Has God told you what this is about? What I should say? No, I haven't heard a word. Do you think this is it? Will we be free? I... I, I suppose we can hope so. But as they walked, Moses remembered words God had spoken promises he'd not shared with Aaron. He grew worried that something horrible might have happened to the Pharaoh's son, but when he arrived at the palace, nobody wore mourning clothes. The boy lived, and his guilt was somewhat eased. Your Majesty, I've brought them, as you requested. Good. Bring them closer. Moses and Aaron approached the throne to see the Pharaoh slouched in his seat. His eyelids hung heavy, and dark circles rested beneath them. A dozen frogs sat around and on his throne. One even perched atop his crown. The frogs. 
They won't let me sleep. They won't let me eat. They won't let me kiss my wife goodnight without getting the slime between our lips. My son's writing lessons have stalled due to how much papyrus they have spoiled. Moses looked at Aaron, and Aaron shrugged. He did not know what to say. Moses realized it was his turn to speak. The frogs will leave when our people are allowed to leave. Anything to be rid of them. Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses and Aaron could not help but look at each other and smile. Moses eagerly replied, I will pray for their removal. I would leave you the honor of selecting a time for their departure. Uh-huh. Time. Tomorrow. I want them gone tomorrow. It will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord, our God. Moses and Aaron left the throne room, hearts pounding with excitement. The trials were over. Their freedom was soon to be granted. True to his word, Moses prayed. Lord, the Pharaoh has relented. Remove the frogs from his land and return the water to its rightful state. Your people will be freed. The next day, as soon as the sun rose, the Nile returned to water, and all the frogs from across the land collapsed to the ground, dead. Throughout the land, the people set fire to the bodies of those who had died of thirst or exposure. Smoke rose from every street corner, the acrid scent of burning flesh, only slightly preferable to rotting frog and fish. The water of the Nile pushed the dead fish into the sea, and people filled their buckets and washed their clothing in the riverbanks once more. Life returned to normal, and some Egyptians even began to pray to the god of their Hebrew slaves. Moses and Aaron eagerly awaited the Pharaoh's summons, but as the sun rose and fell and a whole night passed, they heard nothing from the Pharaoh at all. Surely he remembers his promise. Perhaps we should remind him of it. The duo made their way to the palace. The guards allowed them back into the throne room. The pharaoh stood before his throne, a woman on one arm, a jar of wine in the other. He seemed joyful and well-rested, but when he saw Moses and Aaron, his face fell. You two, why aren't you working? You promised us that we could go and make sacrifices to the Lord, and yet we've heard nothing. Do you intend to keep your promise? (laughs) You call what I said a promise? I said it under duress, and now the duress is gone. You two should be happy I let you live. Now, be gone from my sight. Moses and Aaron shuffled out of the throne room, stunned. They exited the palace, descended its steps, and trudged back to Goshen. For most of the trek, they moved in stunned silence. But eventually, Aaron spoke up. I can hardly believe it. I thought we were free, and now he changes his mind? He was always going to change his mind. So you're happy with how it all turned out? Now that you know you're right again? I didn't want to be right. I just knew I would be. Pessimism isn't foreknowledge. If we can't get our hopes up, 
There's no point in any of this to begin with. No, that's not what I mean. There's something I haven't told you. Something God said to me. What? What did he say? When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Why didn't you tell me this before? When he told me, I didn't want to be involved. To be the tool that brings so much suffering, I wanted nothing to do with it. Ah, that's why he sent me to help you. So I wouldn't have to do it alone. I understand. I'm still with you, Moses. Until the very end. I think it's only just begun. And we'll see it through... together. Thank you. I couldn't do this without you. Brother. Moses leaned forward and kissed Aaron on the forehead. They walked, arms over each other's shoulders, back to Goshen. The bond between my servants had deepened, but so too had my fury against the Pharaoh. With each act of defiance, the Pharaoh summoned forth a greater display of my wrath and power. Wings that beat like demons, storms of thunder and lightning, abyssal darkness, and the ruining of their harvest. Pharaoh's arrogance would bring death upon his people. Their wails would be heard around the world, their grief would be felt like wax on paper. And through it all, my people would at last be free. As Moses laid his head down to rest, he saw one more vision. Dust rising from the ground, the air throughout all of Egypt shook. A dreadful buzzing echoed in his ears. The next plague had arrived. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with part three of the Exodus as even greater plagues are unleashed on the Egyptians. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join us next Tuesday for the final chapter of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Giles Hovseth, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Haley Milliken, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Samia Mounts, Cameron Nikad, Nazi Tarsha, and Laith Walshleger. 
I'm Vanessa Richardson. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.